Welcome to the Business of Psychology podcast, the show that helps you to reach more people, help more people, and build the life you want to live by doing more than therapy. Are you looking to build an independent practice that is fulfilling, impactful, and financially rewarding? Did you know that I run a business course that's designed to help you do exactly that without making all the mistakes I made along the way? Over 12 weeks, we take you through everything you need to know to set up a practice that lets you live your values. Through a combination of teaching from experts, legal templates to make sure your practice is covered, peer support and group coaching sessions, this is the place for anyone looking to get off the starting blocks in private practice. The course is always accessible in pre-recorded format and three times a year we run a live cohort. So what are you waiting for? Join us at psychologybusinessschool.com forward slash the psychology business school. The link's in the show notes. Hello and welcome to this week's Books That Make You Think slot. Uh, It's a moment in your week where you get to pause and reflect on a new book which I have found really interesting Uh, and it's a bit of space for us to think about the implications uh, of new books on our practice and on our marketing efforts as well. So I hope this feels like a little bit of a moment of luxury um, where you actually get to reflect on some of the information that we're bombarded with in in our daily lives and because if you're anything like me it can feel like I read a lot of stuff and I hear a lot of stuff but I don't actually have that much time to reflect on it so I hope that these little segments of your week will give you uh, a bit of thinking space and a bit of time to reflect on some of the cool new stuff that is out there. So this month, we are focusing on this book, Johan Hari's Stolen Focus. And this week, I wanted to talk about the chapter on nutrition and pollution. (laughs) Um, And the fact that he presents a lot of very compelling evidence that the food that we eat, and the environment that we live in, is having a huge impact on our ability to pay attention, which in turn has a huge impact on all aspects of our mental health, um, from everything really, from depression all the way through to neurodevelopmental conditions that can be diagnosed like ADHD. Um, And I won't go into all of the research that he cites, but it is very compelling and it certainly convinced me that I need to be paying a bit more attention to my clients' uh, nutrition and um, and knowing kind of where to point them for that because I'm not a nutritionist and I'm not going to become a nutritionist. Um, but if we know realistically that nutrition and the environment are playing a huge role in mental health and the way that our clients are able to pay attention, then surely we need to be addressing that in our work directly. So I thought, what could that look like practically? How could I include this new knowledge in my clinical practice? And how could I also incorporate it into my marketing strategy? And one of the things that I thought of was firstly about formulation. And I think we always say that we try and formulate in a biopsychosocial way, or at least a lot of us say that. But actually, I've never drilled down too much into my clients' eating habits. I don't 
ask my clients routinely if they come to me with you know birth trauma postnatal depression that kind of thing I'm not saying what food are you putting in your body and maybe I should be um so that could be an element of it adding that stuff into our formulation maybe formulating um if we know that somebody lives in a very built up area where there's lots of pollution um, then incorporating that into our formulation, that that might be making it more difficult for them to do the mindfulness activities that we are setting for them, for example. And setting that expectation with people, I think it's part of a compassionate response to acknowledge that we are living in quite a toxic environment in terms of uh, our food being very, um, what's the word, full of super processed <laughs> and full of chemicals that make it hard for us to pay attention and our um, cars churning out chemicals, uh, plastics churning out chemicals, which make it difficult for us to pay attention. And just having that compassion that, okay, we're going to try and learn mindfulness here. And that's got loads of benefits that you will have already talked with your client about, but you are kind of running up an escalator that's going in the opposite direction because um, because of the environmental stresses that are on you and acknowledging that and making it clear that you know you're asking them to do something really difficult so I think you know thinking about one-to-one therapy incorporating that into my formulation and having clear referral pathways that I can you know send people to so like I said if we identify nutrition as likely to be an issue then I can refer them on to a nutritionist. So I need to make that relationship with a local nutritionist that I trust or an online nutritionist of my online clients that I can then refer them on quickly and easily and and demonstrate to them that that is of equal importance with the work that they're doing with me. So that's something that I'm going to look into personally. Um, Similarly, for the environmental stuff, there's not a lot that your individual client can do about environmental pollution. There's not very much that I can do as an individual clinician about pollution. What I might do is look into some local activism that I could become involved with. You know, there are always petitions in my area about pollution, um, about particular projects that other social enterprises that are focused on environmental causes are working on. And actually, maybe I should be, if I know that this is really critical to mental health, maybe I should be playing a role in, in some of those projects. So those are kind of the clinical implications as far as I can see them. Um, because I think we do need to respect in our clinical work that there is a hierarchy of needs. I think every clinical approach acknowledges that um, you, you need good building blocks to well-being and the food that you're putting into your body and the environment that you live in are two pretty crucial building blocks in your mental health. And if they're not there or if they're not supporting you, then we need to address those first. So I think our clinical work should be reflecting that. So those are some of the practical ways that I might change my clinical practice or adapt it slightly as a result of reading this book. But it also struck me that there are implications of this knowledge for the way that we market ourselves and the way that we reach out to people in the first place. And anybody who's done psychology business school with me knows that I've always been very um a big advocate for marketing through relationships so building up your network of other related professionals who you can refer people to and who will refer people to your practice 
I think that is a really valuable way of spending your time. If you've got a limited amount of time to spend on marketing, I would always recommend building up those relationships first and foremost. But the added benefit of doing that is that it gives you this obvious pathway to send people on if you identify that actually their individual experience, their individual thoughts and emotions and the stuff that we can deal with in the therapy room is not really the biggest piece of the puzzle for them. Um, So I think it has that added benefit. Also, if you think about it, if you have a strong relationship with all of those other professionals, then we're sending the message to the public that mental health shouldn't be considered in a silo. It sends the message that we are holistic creatures who need to be considered as mind, body and environment. I think that's a message that a lot of us believe in, but actually we market ourselves in such a way that it sends the the message to people that mental health is its own discrete thing. Now, if that's not what you believe, then what better way to market yourself than alongside professionals that deal with the body and the environment and nutrition? It, It strikes me as a much more coherent message given what I say to my clients when they get into my therapy room. Um, Because I'm always telling my clients that they need to pay attention to their bodies as well as their minds. But perhaps if I'm not positioning myself alongside other clinicians who do focus on those areas, I'm actually sending the message that you can just come here and think about your mental health in isolation. So I think from a messaging point of view, viewing yourself as part of that wider community of um, health and alternative professionals could actually be really helpful to the way that your clients end up viewing their mental health. Um, So I think that's really exciting. So how do you do that practically um, if we want to build up that network with other related professionals? Well, the first thing you can do is reach out to people on LinkedIn. That's an easy win because you can search for professional groups on there and you can search by location. So you could set up coffees with physiotherapists and nutritionists in your area tomorrow if you wanted to do that. Another really good way of doing this is to go to your local networking events. You will find mental health professionals tend to be really underrepresented at local business networking events. It was very rare for me to come across another qualified psychologist or a qualified therapist at a networking event. However, you will meet loads of people that do, you know, things like physiotherapy, um, nutritional advice, chiropractors, Um, they tend to go to these business networking events. And I think we should be there too. It's a great way of developing those relationships. Because if somebody meets you and speaks to you, they get a really good sense of what it would be like to work with you. And they're much more likely to feel confident to refer to you. And likewise, I do not refer to professionals I don't know. I don't like doing that. Um, So you need to build up that network of people that you know, like and trust that you can then refer your clients to. So it works in both directions. Another thing that you should be thinking about doing to build up these connections with allied professionals 
is um, building up your uh, repertoire of guest appearances. So that could be writing guest blogs. It could be going into other people's Facebook communities to, to give a bit of mental health advice. You could do a little talk, a little Facebook Live, or you could just be in there commenting on people's threads with useful stuff when you can. Um, and guesting on podcasts and people's YouTube channels as well. So it's getting in front of that audience who might be interested in you know, more physical health, might be interested in nutrition, and could do with a bit of education about how that links with mental health um, and that kind of symbiosis between the mind and, and the body. So those are just some practical ways that you can start taking this knowledge about the impact of nutrition and the environment and incorporating it into both your clinical practice and your marketing for your private practice. And I hope that's been useful to start thinking about. I hope it's got your kind of reflective and creative juices flowing a little bit. And I would really love to hear from you um, about what this stuff makes you think. <laughs> um, so is nutrition and the impact of pollution on attention and the impact of attention on mental health, something that you've always thought about, something that you've thought about regularly, or is this kind of new stuff for you? Come and, and talk to me over on Instagram. I'm at Rosie Gilderthorpe and let me know kind of what this brings up for you. If you think there might be things that you change about your clinical practice or the way that you market yourself, are you going to be focusing on those relationships with other professionals or maybe providing a bit of psychoeducation to your clients about how all of this stuff wraps up together? Um, for me, I feel like it's really percolating and starting to, to build into a cohesive picture of how I might make a fundamental change to my practice as a result of this awesome book um, that I really recommend you all read. Um, but each week, as we discuss this, I'm getting new ideas and thinking of it in a slightly different way. So I'd love to know if that's happening for you as well. So I hope that's been useful and I shall see you next week for more books that make you think. Do you sometimes wake up at two o'clock in the morning worried that you've made a terrible error that will bring professional ruin upon you and disgrace your family? <laughs> I'm laughing now, but when I first set up in private practice, I was completely terrified that I'd miss something big when setting up my insurance or data protection. Even now, three years in, I sometimes catch myself wondering if I've really covered all the bases. It's hard, no, probably impossible, to think creatively and have the impact you should be having in your practice if you aren't confident that you've got a secure business underneath you. But it can be overwhelming to figure out exactly what you need to prioritise before those clients start coming in. I've created a free checklist plus resources list to take the thinking out of it. Tick off every box and you can see your clients confident in the knowledge that you've got everything in place for your security and theirs. Download it now from psychologybusinessschool.com forward slash client hyphen checklist. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Business of Psychology podcast. If you share my passion for doing more than therapy, then make sure you come over and join my free Do More Than Therapy Facebook community, where you can work on getting your big ideas off the ground with like-minded psychologists and therapists. I'd also love it if you could leave this show a five-star review wherever you listen to your podcasts. It will help more of the people who need it to find it. 
See you next week for more tips and inspirational stories to help you do more than therapy. Therapy.